What's going on, man? What is up, Big Red Clifford Miller? That's that's what it is. Hey, we want to welcome you guys to the second podcast, the second edition, the second time, second week in a row that we're going to talk about Get the KO. I am Clifford Red Dog Miller, and as always, I have my co-host here, and his name is... Anthony Lujan, but you can call me Lou. It's the Lou in the house we are representing today. Today we are going to talk about a couple things that we got going on. Obviously, one of the big uh, big stories for the week was definitely the four-day presser for uh, you know Conor McGregor and uh, Floyd Mayweather. We'll touch a little bit on that, not too much, because you know we do have six weeks until the fight comes. So we'll talk about the pressers. We'll maybe talk a little bit about what's going on with the UFC as far as the fight night that's going on actually right now. Um, if you guys have not been paying attention... Uh, Lisa Smith earlier today with the TKO. We had Brett Johns with the decision. Uh, Danny Henry as well as Charlie Ward. I believe that those guys have already fought. Um, yep, so Danny Henry uh, Danny Henry with the decision. Uh, Gaylord Bufondo, a uh, decision over Charlie Ward with a KO slam with knock, uh, knockout punches. Uh, Alexander also with a rear naked choke. And then we had Danny Roberts after uh, hitting an illegal knee on Bobby Nash. Uh, come out, uh, Roberts Roberts with the KO punches, so it's definitely uh, some good fights that are starting up. We're going to jump right into the UFC fight night later on uh, in the broadcast. We're also going to talk about UFC Fox. Uh, that's going to be going on on the 22nd, so that's going to be a huge thing that we want to talk about. And then uh, next week, guys, I know everybody wants to know what our predictions are for UFC 214, but we will talk about that next week. So like I said today, we're going to do our predictions. For fight night, we're going to do our Fox prediction, uh, Fox predictions, and then we're going to also talk about the Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather uh, presser and what we, what we took away from it. Is that cool with you? Yeah, that most definitely. Right on, right on. So, first night on the on the main card, we have the heavyweights are going to be going at it. We have James uh, Mulholland versus Justin Willis. It's going to be a huge fight. This is a debut fight for Justin Willis. If you guys do not know who he is, um, underrated fighter, came up through the ranks. He's looking really tough. Uh, UFC signed him. Obviously, we're going to see him versus a very, very tough James fighter. Uh, uh, as far as James goes, you know, you're talking about an English guy, uh, South Shield, England. Uh, we're pulling up all this information, by the way, not only just on Wikipedia, but also ShareDog.com. Uh, you know, according to his, this is his debut fight as well. Um, you know, last time that he was in the octagon, he fought Ruben Wolf, uh, another one up and comer, uh, and he also scored a decision before getting the call up to for um, before getting the call up to the UFC. So, Anthony, who are you taking in this fight? You know, that's a hard one. Um, but I think I'm, I think I am gonna have to say I'm gonna go with Justin Willis. Uh, I think he's gonna. Yeah. Take him, to the, take him to the ground. He has a 33% takedown uh, uh, success, and that's off of UFC.com. And I think he's just going to just grind that one out. Yeah, no. So one thing that I, a lot of people haven't seen, it's either going to be a TKO or a decision. So that's one of the things that I'm kind of looking forward to. I think Justin Willis gets the TKO. We're going to be see a big surprise. Uh, Justin Willis is a tough man. I mean, he's... You know, he's a guy who's obviously gone the distance a few times in a couple fights, but then he's also a guy who has a very diverse um, hitting uh, as far as, like, punches go. You know, he has um, 
And people just standard punches, and some people he's done with a back fist. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, he has lost once to Ruben Wolf, but actually Ruben Wolf he did avenge that loss. So even though he's 11, 11 and one right now, he did avenge his only loss so far. So I think Justin Willis will continue on and continue that victory. Next up, right after that, we have the light heavyweights, John Jones in DC's weight class, uh, Cahill Roundtree versus Paul Craig. What you got, Anthony? I think I'm going to go with Khalil Roundtree Jr. with that TKO. Yeah, you know, uh, it, that's definitely a good call. Uh, Warhorse is definitely lives up true to his name, though he's on a he had his two losses when he first kind of debuted into the UFC. Uh, he did beat Daniel Jolly, so I think he's got a, a little bit of a momentum riding into it. Uh, Paul Craig, definitely no pushover himself. He's definitely a guy who's got a lot of, uh, you know, he's... He's well-rounded in his game. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot out of him. Uh, submissions, takedowns, his last loss, Tyson Pedro at UFC 209. Uh, you know, it did come at the, at the cost of TKOs. So I think he's looking to try to get back on the horse, but I have to give it to Cahill, uh, Khalil as well, as well because, you know, he is coming off that win. You know, we we got to find out where... Um, we got to find out where Paul's head is at. It could be in the game. We don't know. We'll see. And then uh, it'll be interesting to see. So I have to agree with you on this, man. Um, I got to go with Cahill with this fight. Uh, next on the card, man, we have Jack Marshman versus Ryan James. What's your insight for this one? Uh, that's going to be a hard one. Uh, they both are actually coming off of losses. Um, Jack Marshman, he just came off a loss to uh, Sagio Santos. And then uh, Ryan Jane, he uh, came off the loss to uh, Gerald Merchant. Merchant. Uh, that's going to be a tough one. I think that uh, I think Ryan Jane has a better striking, and I think that's just going to that's going to be play the factor. And I think Ryan Jane is going to come out with that win. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely solid, man. Uh, one of the things I think is that both guys have lost you know, pretty dramatic fashion, one to submission, one with the spinning uh, spinning kick. Uh, you know, the one thing I do see, though, is that there is both both of those guys is going to be their third fight in the UFC, so both of them should be feeling comfortable in there. Uh, I do believe that Magnus was a tougher opponent for, um, he was a tougher opponent for uh, Jack, and I think Jack's going to be the one that comes out in this, so I'm going to have to give it to, the, to uh, Hammer Marshman on this one. I think that he's going to be able to do it. He is, you know, he's 27 years old. He's got a lot of experience. And I think, I think that's who I'm going to have to go with. I think I'm going to take Jack on this one. So, so far, we've got, I've got, I've got Justin, Cahill, and Jack. Who do you have? I got Justin, Cahill, and uh, Ryan. Okay, so now we're, we're one-on-one. So, it'll be interesting to see where, where this goes. Um, on the lightweight scale, man, we have Stevie Ray and we have Paul Felder. How are you feeling about this fight? Um, that's a hard one. I, I'm a big Paul Felder fan, but Stevie Ray is on a four-win uh, fight streak right now and knocking out Joe Lawson. He's locked out Ross Pearson, and I'm sorry, no, he's on a two-win fight streak with those two. Um, Paul Felder's three out of four in his last three wins out of his last four. I think I'm going to go Stevie Ray, though. I think Stephen Ray's going to get the win. So Stevie Ray definitely he has got he's got some good moves to him, um, you know, to beat uh, Joe uh, Lazo, man, it's a lot. Like you're talking about a man who just never stops coming, always in your face, and he just he doesn't know how to lose. 
So to beat Joe, man, that's, that puts a huge feather in your cap. Paul Felder, he is very tough. He's been known to be able to handle um, the bright lights, but, you know, he is, he's also lost to Ross Pearson, who also got beat by Stevie Ray. So I think I'm going to have to go with you. I'm going to have to lean towards Stevie on this one. Uh, for our next card, Joanne Calderwood versus Cynthia Calvario. Who do you got with this one, man? You know, uh, it's kind of hard. Uh, Cynthia Calvario is undefeated, and um, Joanna Calderwood, uh, she just lost to Jessica Andrade. So uh, I think Joanna is looking to look out and rebound and avenge that loss. Um that's a tough one. I think I think I'm gonna go with uh, uh, Cynthia Calvillo, and she's gonna stay undefeated. Yeah, you know, I think uh, what I what I do like about this fight first is that it's at a catch weight. Like these are two fighters who obviously dominate in their each respective weight classes, and they want to meet at a weight class. So shout out to those two for just meeting at 118 and wanting to fight it out. Uh, Jessica is definitely a tough, tough fighter. There's no doubt about that. Um, the one thing is is that Cynthia can take her to take um take Joanne to the ground and keep that grounded pound going. Uh, yeah, I definitely see the fight going in her favor, but the catch is is that Joanne is a solid kickboxer. Like, she's been known for beating people up. She's been known for any people with her with her great striking. Uh, so I definitely, I might have to take Joanne in this fight. I'm a huge Cynthia fan. I think she's very good looking, and that's me just kind of on a, on a side note with that. Uh, but I definitely <laughs> think that I have to definitely go with my with my gut and say that if Cynthia can't get this fight to the ground, it definitely is going to go in Joanne's in Joanne's favor. So I might have to lean with Joanne and say that Cynthia might catch her first loss. Oh, good pick. So here's what we have for our main event for the night. We have Gunnar Nelson versus Santiago Ponzabibo. I forget how to pronounce it. I'm sorry if I slaughter his name, guys, and you make fun about me later. That's fine. Uh, what do you have for this fight? Uh, good strikers, both of them. Are, uh, this uh, Santiago Pons in the EBO. Um, he's a 93% striker. He's a uh, he's on a four-fight win streak, um, including fight wins against Court McGee and Zach Cummings. But Gunnar Nelson's just he's a grinder. He knows how to fight, and he's a uh, Thirty percent on his takedowns, and he's on. He's also on a win streak. He's won two in a row. He got performance of the night twice uh, in his last two fights. Um, I think I'm gonna go with Gunnar Nelson. I think I think he has more uh, cage uh, experience with this, being in the USC a little bit longer. So I think I'm gonna go with him, and he's gonna get that win. So I think so. I think I have to agree with you. I think I'm gonna have to lean towards Gunnar, and the reason why is because if you look at the last two losses that Gunnar Gunnar has, right? Uh, you have Rick Story. And you have Damian Maya. Damian Maya, who we've openly talked about uh, offline, we've openly talked about how he's a great contender. He should be a contender for a championship. Uh, he holds down uh, Brazil very well, and we definitely uh, give a lot of respect to him. And then you have Rick Horror Story. And even Rick Horror Story's matchup, it was a decision. It was split at that, so it wasn't even like 100% sure whether – Rick won it, and it's always in the controversy section once you have that split decision. So I think I'm going to have to go with you and go with uh, Gunner Santiago, always been a great fighter, um, you know, straight coming out of Argentina. He's even on a huge uh, four-fight win streak, and uh, I just I just think that Gunner is going to have this fight kind of locked up. 
uh, whether by knockout, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it's probably going to go to the decision. Uh, both fighters are great strikers, but the one thing that Gunner knows how to do is he just knows how to perform well under the bright lights. So I think I'm going to have to lean on that side. Taking the gunny, huh? Yeah, we're going to go with Gunner. So let's move on, man. We're going to talk about... Um, this, we're going to talk about this next fight card. It's going to be on uh, July 22nd. We're talking about Chris Weedman versus Kevin Gastelum. Uh, this is going to be a huge, huge fight card. We're not going to start from all the way on the bottom. We're actually going to talk about the top four fights, even though I know we've talked about doing numerous for the primary uh, preliminary cards. But let's talk about the main events. Uh, we want to start at the Bantamweight, which is going to be humongous. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. Jimmy Rivera versus Thomas Almeida. You cannot understand the gravity of what this Bantamweight fight is going to look like. What are your thoughts on this fight card coming uh, this fight coming up? I think, honestly, I think it's going to be a fast fight. I think Thomas Almeida is itching to get back at it. And, uh, and Jimmy Rivera, but Jimmy Rivera says no... He's no pushover either. Wins against Uriah Faber, Pedro uh, Munoz. But that, uh, but you got to go. I'm, I'm going to go with Thomas Almeida. I think uh, he's just coming back from uh, he. He actually his last fight was in November of last year with a with a win and a performance of the night. Really, his only loss was to Cody uh, Garbrandt. But uh, I'm excited to see what this guy's going to bring to the table, and uh, I'm going to go with uh, Thomas Almeida. Yeah, so you always have to go. I'm I'm going with Thomas Samita as well. That's a huge, 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 huge fight, which is going to be easy to watch. I don't know how many people are actually excited about uh, a, a bantamweight fight like this. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, uh, we got to give it up to him. He is the champ. You know, beating uh, Cruz, easily beating Dominic Cruz, which was an amazing fight, by the way, an amazing performance on Cody's hands. But uh, Thomas Almeida, you know, you're always wondering about what it's going to look like after the first loss. So to see him come back and beat Alba Morales, TKO, uh, in that Bader, uh, Bader Noriega 2 fight, a Noguera fight, it was amazing to see the comeback that he had. So I have to give it back to him. I think Thomas Almeida comes back and gets this win. It's going to be huge, man. I love the fact that this fight is going on. Uh, our next fight, too, we're in a light heavyweight. We got Patrick Cummings and then uh, Joe Villa, Vellante is coming back. So where you where do you stand with this one? This one is kind of tough for me. And seeing, uh, I've always been a big Patrick Cummins fan. I love Durkins. Um, he uh, he's come back. He he won his last fight after losing two two in a row to Little uh, Nog and Lova Teixeira. I uh, I think that uh, for the most part that uh, Gianni is a heavy striker. And uh, he's very explosive, but I think I'm gonna have to go with my boy Patrick Cummins on this one via TKO. So I think I'm gonna have to take Patrick Cummins as well. Um, the the crazy things about it is, um, and it kind of sounds weird for me to say it like this, but anybody who's had a name in the game um, has beaten uh, Gian, which is kind of tough to say. I mean, you have Chad Griggs out there, OSP's beaten him, you know, uh, Tom Lawler. Uh, Mauricio Shogunhua, all you guys have been able to beat him and beat him by TKO. So, you know, defensively, obviously, his striking game needs a lot of work to it. Um, but, you know, I don't I don't know if you know this or not, man, but high school wrestling-wise, he uh, that's Gianna was a high school wrestler, man, including to be a state champ at 215 pounds back in 2003. Uh, 
Do you know who else was a state champion in 2003 at 215 pounds? Uh, is it that guy, uh, that kid, uh, Garrett Shukai from Baird? Yeah. What a crazy coincidence that one of our closest friends also happened to be a state champion for the, in the state of Nebraska at 215 pounds. I'm going to go ahead and just check this off and say uh, Garrett probably would have won that fight or won that wrestling match. I don't know. Maybe we're being a little biased, but I'm going to have to vote that way. Um, so shout out to Garrett. You already got the state championship in. Say that again? I agree with you. I think Garrett takes that one too. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he was also like a high school, uh, great high school uh, football player. So getting him into the ring is gonna be kind of cool to watch. But yeah, Patrick Cummins, man, is is just a is a, is a nightmare. Uh, and I just think that he's gonna come out and win this fight. So let's move on to our featherweight matchup: uh, Dennis Bermudez versus Darren Eklund. Uh, Darren is actually isn't he coming off of a huge win too just recently? He's actually on a on a uh, on a uh, believe a four or five win streak. Four. He is on a four fight win streak. Performance of the night on uh, Mursad Betkin at UFC uh, 209 that Woodley Thompson two fight in March. Um, but he also just, he also beat up on uh, Chaz Kelly uh, Chaz Scally, uh last year about this time. Uh, but he's on a uh, five, four, uh, four fight win streak. Interesting enough, though, man. I'm just kind of looking over Darren's uh, uh, wins and losses, man. Uh, Charles Olivier, Chad Mendez, Jeremy Stevens, uh, Harkran Diaz. Those are all some pretty big names to take some to to lose to. But the Chas Kelly definitely was a huge one, and then uh, Mursad, man, beating Mursad with punches and that head kick, man, that was huge. So. And we're talking about, uh, you know, a solid fighter all around. We should definitely see the best coming out of uh, Darren. Uh, one of the other big ones, too, man, uh, uh, Dennis, man. Dennis is a nightmare, too, though. Like, you just even look at his profile pic, man. The dude is just stacked for days. Um, and, and I agree with you. I, and with with, uh, with Den, Dennis Bermudez, is he, he's so hot and cold in the UFC. He's uh, he's won against Ronnie Jameson and... Uh, but he's also lost to uh, Ricardo Lamas, uh, Jeremy Heathen Stevens. He's he's got wins against Clay Guida, uh, Guida, and and the one one that surprised me when I was looking through his profile before we got on the air was he also beat Max Holloway. Yeah, so he has beaten the bless. Um, it was by decision. It was split. So definitely a lot little controversy to it. You know, at UFC 160, uh, it was definitely. I remember that fight. It was a fun fight to watch. Uh, could have gone either way. Uh, I think if I remember right, uh, it was like the fourth round was kind of like the controversy round that people couldn't decide on because, you know, we all know Max Holloway. He loves to take punches. He'll eat those punches and just stand in the way of people and not back down. So it was definitely a huge, huge uh, feather in his cap. So it's kind of crazy to see that his career hasn't really uh, taken off as well. But, um, oh, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't um, round. It was round two. That the big controversy came through, not round round four. Was I talking about this in a championship fight? Um, but no, and then recently, even losing to the Korean Zombie, though, that was kind of a huge thing. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back. I definitely think that um, he's not he's not going to be on the level with Darren. I think Darren Eklund definitely has his fight, so we'll have to you know have to go have to lean on that side. Uh, and then our main event fight for the night, man, it just goes without saying. Right there real quick. I do want to talk about one other fight before we get to that main card. 
What's that? And that is the Ryan LaFleur versus Alex Cowboy Oliveira fight. Oh, yeah. Well, yep. No, you're right. That is definitely a, a hidden gem in there. Go ahead, man. Let's let's say what you got. This is, this is me. They, uh, Ryan LaFleur is 13-1. and one. His uh, only loss is to Damian Maya. He's a... Uh, he is a great wrestler. His takedown is 51%. His striking is 37 And then you got Alex El Cowboy Oliveira, who, uh, who's really his only loss in the past, like, uh, two years was to Cowboy Cerrone. Um, he, he did have that uh, no contest against Tim Means, and then he came back and beat Tim Means. Uh, but he's got wins against uh, Will Brooks and uh, Joe Murrett. So, I think I want to talk about this one because I am a huge Alex Oliveira fan. Not not just because it's Cowboy Oliveira because I'm a big Cowboy Cerrone fan, but this dude ha- is probably one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, but one of the baddest guys you'll ever meet. And uh, I think that fight, I, I want to go with him, but I am going to go with Ryan LaFleur on this one. Oh, no, that's definitely a solid, solid move. Um, you know, it's tough when fighters get on these huge win streaks, man, it's tough to sit back and kind of go against them. Uh, this is one of those undercard under underrated fights that a lot of people aren't really paying attention to. Uh, even me, like just, you know, we were talking about the main card part. Uh, Damon Maya is definitely one of those tough guys, you know, having wins over Court McGee is definitely huge. Uh, John Howard, you know, recently, uh, those are huge fights, man. And then Mike Pierce is no pushover either. So you kind of have to go with Ryan LaFleur on this one. Uh, I know the kid's coming out of uh, Lynnhurst, New York. I say kid. I'm 32. He's 33, so he's definitely older than I am. But, um, you know, yeah, we're definitely going to have to keep a close eye on that fight. I think I'm going to have to go with uh, Ryan as well on this fight. He's definitely going to be a tough, tough kid to watch. So let's jump into this this main event car, or this main event fight for the night. Uh, we're talking about Chris Weedman versus Kelvin Gaslam. What do you got? Um, that's a hard one because, you know, Chris Reedman, who, who, who rose to fame for beating probably my favorite all-time fighter and Anderson Silva with, uh, with the, the TKO and then the leg break and then posting wins over uh, Leota Machida and uh, Vitor Belfort has lost three in a row to Luke, lost title to Luke, uh, lost to... Uh, to Yoel, then got needed or uh, then lost that fight to uh, Gegard Musasi, um, and then you got Kevin Gaslam. Yeah, Kevin Gaslam, who who surprisingly came out of nowhere in that in the Ultimate Fighter, beating Uriah Hall, um, is actually became a pretty decent striker. I, I thought he was t- totally gonna be a wrestler, gonna be I'll push you against the cage and I'll take you down. Um, He's he's posted up wins against Johnny Hendricks, Tim Means, uh, but lost to like Neil Magny, Tyrone Woodley. Um, he did get the performance of the night against. Uh, sorry, Cliff, close your ears, but uh, Jake the Juggernaut Ellenberger. Uh, he's also yeah, beat okay. Rick Spree, but he also has t- troubles in making weight, which is a big. I think no matter when you lo- when you when you lose weight when you can't make weight for a fight. I think there's no chance that you're gonna be uh, a uh, a headliner on any card. Like I'm not a big fan of this being the headliner because of 
Kevin Gaslin, uh, Calvin Gaslin's uh, weight issues. But I am going to have to say Gaslin's going to beat Weidman in this one just because I don't know where Luke's head is. Luke's on a three, three or four fight losing streak, and where is he, he going to be at? So, you know what? I'm going to have to take the other side, man. I'm going to be honest with this. Um, I have to go with uh, Chris Weidman. Yeah, he's got three losses. His wrestling is what's really, I think, is going to stand out for him. Um, and then his striking game is also getting improvements. Little by little, it's getting there. Um, it's not where you would think a former champion would be, but it is growing. The problem I have with uh, Gaslam is the fact, it's not the fact that Gaslam has trouble making weight. It's the fact that Gaslam has trouble keeping himself out of headlines. Like, uh, recently when he fought Belt, um, Vitor Belfort, man, he won the fight, got the TKO. Shout out to him for beating a, an old man, let's be real, because Vitor Belfort is not the same phenom that he once was. But, you know, then you get busted for having marijuana, like, the night afterwards. That's crazy. You should not be doing stupid things like that. You can't keep yourself out of the headlines because that's what you do, and then you get yourself in trouble, and then guess what? Now you have to wait a long time to to recoup, so... I don't think his head's mentally there. Yeah, he's on a two-fight win streak, with one of those wins being against Johnny Hendricks and the other one against Tim Kennedy, which shout-out to our veterans, as always. They are number one in our hearts. Um, but you, if you do not have your head in the game for these kind of fights, man, why are you even involved? Why are you sitting there fighting someone like Vitor Belfort and beating him and then celebrating and then the next day getting popped for having marijuana in your system? It's not a good look for you. It's not a good look for the sport. It's definitely a black eye. And uh, I just think he hurts his own brand. And, you know, Dana probably setting him up against Chris Weidman to kind of help push the downfall of Gaslam. I agree with that. Um, so let's, let's go on, man. So, you know, we do have UFC 214 coming up. We'll talk about that fight card next week. Let's have some fun, man. We're going to talk about this press conference. Uh, here for about the next 15 minutes, we're going to talk about just the pressers that we had. So four days of press conferences. Uh, my favorite, I think, right now of all the pressers would have to be day one in Las Vegas between Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. Let's be real, that suit, super fly. Love the pinstripes. Love the fact that he built the suit and made a suit that he knew Floyd Mayweather couldn't read. <laughs> Floyd Mayweather better be able to read Fuck You. And I thought this is a rated R show right now, but Floyd Mayweather better be able to read the words Fuck You or that dude needs help. You know, it's funny, man, because Floyd is a juggernaut. Let's be real, and we're going to pay all of our respects, right? So we understand he's a champion. We understand all the people he's beaten, De La Hoya, Ortiz, um, uh, Canelo, you know, he's knocked, he's beaten the best. There's no doubt about it. Pacquiao, I don't know how I left that name off the list. He's beaten the best of the best. He's incredible. He's very talented. What we do know, though, is that he has troubles with uh, southpaw strikers. This is something that's going to be kind of different. Uh, and even if you try to prepare for someone like Floyd Mayweather, uh, for Conor McGregor, Floyd will never be able to prepare for what Conor brings, even if he has all of his experience. And the reason being is, Connor is an MMA fighter who is coming to the boxing ring versus guys who continually box. You, know, you can prepare for some of the things that Connor might like to do, maybe with his uh, left jab, right hook, and then left uppercut kind of combo, but you're not ready for something like that. You know what I mean? And as far as Connor going, man, in the day, like he was calling it out. He wasn't ready for that first day of the pressers. He even said it was a different format, it didn't feel natural. 
you know, Dana White's out there writing a speech and then giving that speech, and, you know, Connor wasn't prepared, but there's Floyd Mayweather prepared for some kind of speech. And then they, they moved to Toronto, and let's be real, then all hell breaks loose. So we have, um, I don't even know what to call it, we'll call it Backpack Gate, <laughs> where uh, Connor literally told Floyd Mayweather, he says, I don't know why you carry a backpack with you, you can't even read. Like, just, it's just amazing that he, uh, and then he pulled out the check. You had the the check for um, you had the check in his bag, and he's like, I don't know why you have this check in here either, because you can't read, you can't write. Like it just it was crazy to see Connor going after Floyd Mayweather and trying to get into the Floyd, the head of Floyd Mayweather because I don't think in past conferences that I've seen I don't think I've seen fighters actually go after Floyd Mayweather on a mental game like Connor has gone after Floyd Mayweather. I agree with you. I. Uh... Connor is a great promoter. Connor is just Connor is the UFC's Floyd Mayweather. Um, I hate to say it like that, but that's what it is. Connor knows how to get into people's heads. He does it to everybody that he fights. Like he he tells them, like you're not going to make it out of the second round. You're not going to make it out of the third round. He's and for the most part, he'll he'll back it up. And it's exciting to see that. Um, but you're but you're but Connor's coming up against a guy who's been doing this for 21 years. He's seen the world's best. Connor, Connor's fast. Connor, like they say, that Connor's fast. Like, like he, it's, it's a lot different in person. But you're still going against the world's best defensive boxer. Floyd Mayweather might not be able to read. The only like you like you like we said off cue, off off the air was the only thing he needs to read is where the punches are where the punches are coming from. Um, no, and that's definitely a fact. And you know what's funny is um, it's funny that you bring it up. I'm sorry to kind of cut you off, but you know earlier today when I dropped the uh, the blog, man, forget the KO. Uh, one of the things I mentioned, man, is that if, if if there's one thing that sports in general has taught us is that 99% of the time, great defense will always be great offense. Whether you're the 2015 Broncos, the 2013 Seahawks, the 2001 Ravens, the 85 Bears. Let's be real. Defense wins championships, and we've only seen one exception to that to that rule. And uh, let's be real: uh, when the Spurs were playing Golden State this last year in the NBA championship, the Western Conference, uh, it was one player that got injured, and then that kind of derailed the whole system. And guess what? Then the Spurs kind of fell apart. But uh, you know, and, and shout out to uh, to Leonard because Leonard is a is a great defensive player. He has great defensive schemes with his team. You know, they were up 22 points on Golden State, and then. He goes down, and guess what? Golden State makes a comeback, and then they end up winning a series, and then win the championship. And you know they had a lot of firepower to to win that offensively. But you know even when you throw your punch right at Floyd Mayweather, and Mayweather slips it and counters, tags you, and you try to throw another punch, he's already moved to where you were going to throw the punch. He's already moved away, and he's countering again. Like, he could set up counter after counter after counter. He's got super fast hands. I definitely give him that. Um, what do you think about that? What do you think? Where does he stand with that? Uh, Floyd is the best defensive boxer we've ever seen, like we'll probably ever seen. I've seen training videos of him. Like, he, he, he lays belly first with his head, head and neck off the mat, and he takes a rope with two uh, – with two uh, 10-pound uh, uh, open free weights, 
and he does neck exercises to, to strengthen his neck to, to move faster. So when he sees that punch, like he can dodge a lot quicker. Um, just watching the training videos from, from back when, when he was, uh, when he was great, like, like he doesn't even have to watch you to know that you're what you're throwing. Like he was watching the camera and watching his, his trainer and he was just dodging everything. Um, Connor, Connor likes to put everything in it. Like he did that with, uh, he did that with Jose with Jose Aldo. I mean, they went at it, and Connor fully went into it without that hit that knocked out Jose. But he also got tagged too, and he's going to get tagged. I think Floyd's going to counter him a lot. I think he's going to miss a lot, get countered a lot. Yes, he's got that 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 weird power, like that one punch power. He has that, and and if he does hit Floyd with that, I mean, it could be over. But I think Floyd's too smart. To, to get hit with a full on power, and I think uh, Connor is Connor's just going to get outclassed. Connor's never been in a boxing ring professionally, like, and to just to get in the ring to against the probably the one of the world's best. Like, he's he's not Muhammad Ali best, but it's Floyd Mayweather. No, you're definitely right, man. There's something to be spoken of of him being 49 and 0 going into the uh, going into the boxing ring. Uh, you know, aside from him being forty nine and zero in the boxing ring, he's also one and one and zero in the wrestling ring too. So we got to give it to him. You know, he he beat the Big Show, so that was, I was that's heads up that uh, to boy. <laughs> so my man is undefeated in, in a few different areas. Uh, and then you know, rumor had it that uh, you know Connor said that if he beats him, he wants to get a rematch in with Floyd in the octagon, which I don't see that happening like ever. Because there's this, no, you know, Connor, Connor is just talking way too much for that. Yeah, I mean, John Connor's put out there that he wants to, after that, after 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 the boxing match, he still wants to go in the, and take Khabib on, or he wants to do the trilogy with Nate. I mean, Con, I think Connor needs to, to watch and focus on Nate, or not Nate, on, a, on Floyd right now, because if he's not fully head game into this thing, he's going to lose. And no matter how much talking, how much promoting, how much in, in Floyd's head he can get to, I, I think he's just going to get outclassed. I, I do love the pressure so far. I really do. I love Floyd coming out with a handful of singles, tossing them on there, and Connor's just like, oh, you got singles. That's cool. And he's like, that's all you're worth, bitch. It's it's, it's Floyd, Floyd, Floyd. And, like, Floyd, Floyd used to come out. I remember watching Floyd do the do the uh, do the presser for WrestleMania when he was fighting the Big Show. He came out throwing singles to the crowd, like handfuls of singles. That, that dude had like a thousand dollars worth of singles to throw into the crowd. Like, like you Floyd know funny knows how because... to... Go ahead. I was gonna say it's funny because if you think about it, Floyd, uh, you know, at one time, you know, he was pretty pretty boy Floyd, you know, and like. He wasn't really well like noted. He really wasn't marketing himself, and it wasn't until he really changed the name, changed the name to Money. And once he became Floyd Money Mayweather, people like hated him because he was talking trash. He was getting money, and uh, you know one thing that I do like about him is that he's a student of the game, and not just of the boxing game, of all games, uh, business, obviously the MMA world. Uh, you know, he is a, obviously we talk about him being one of the goats of of boxing. If there was a Mount Rushmore of boxing, I think. Uh, 
Floyd Mayweather would be up there too. But uh, you know, he's he he learned how to become like a heel and uh, to become a face for boxing through the WWE. Like he he he's credited wrestling for it, so it's kind of fun to see. And then he got to do the whole showcase with uh with the Big Show at WrestleMania. Uh, but he's credited uh, wrestling for him being able to talk to trash and, like, step his game up and make people want to put heat on him so that they will be like, I just want to watch Floyd lose. I don't care about who wins. I will buy the pay-per-views just to watch him lose. And now you have a guy who's equally as talented on the microphone, and let's be real, Connor is great on the microphone. For being 29 years old, being able to talk the way he talks, be as arrogant as he is, and, and the antics that he pulls, yeah, you know, you're kind of like, I kind of want to pay money to watch Floyd knock out Connor or I want to pay to watch Connor knock out Floyd. Like you're you're legit. You there's no hey, I want to see this guy win. I want to see you're wanting to see the other guy lose. You don't care who wins, you just want to see the other guy lose. So you're either a fan of yeah. Connor only to want to see Floyd lose or you're a fan of Floyd wanting to see Connor lose. I completely agree with you and and they're both great promoters. I mean I mean Connor Connor's I mean Eddie Eddie Alvarez gotten his head a little bit, and he, then Eddie Alvarez paid for it when Eddie Alvarez then grabbed the chair and tossed it next to Connor um, at that UFC presser. Um, Floyd's doing it right now, too. I think Floyd's in his head. I mean, Connor doesn't show it, but I think Floyd's in his head because he took that, he took the, the uh, Ireland flag, the Irish flag, the Irish colors, and was waving it, and Floyd's just freaking out, saying he'll throw the money, he'll kick his ass on stage, and I mean, Floyd knows what he's doing now. Like, like he knows how to get under Connor's skin and in his head. And what was funny about all this was at that last presser, I've never seen Connor put his hands on somebody or somebody put their hands on Floyd. He was walking by Floyd, and he rubbed his head. Did you see that, Cliff? Yeah, I saw that, and I said, do you see Dana's reaction after that happened? Dana's reaction was priceless. Man, I did not see that happen. I, I need I, I need to go watch that because I want to see Dana's reaction. Yeah, Dana's reaction looked like he was like, yo, you cannot do that. Don't touch him. Don't do that. Don't do that. And then he was like, you know, Floyd played it off pretty well. Like, he's like, ha, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but what I really loved was the fact that Floyd openly called McGregor uh, a quitter. He's like, if you're going to quit once, you'll quit twice. If you're going to quit twice, you'll quit three times. And after the third time, I'm going to knock you out. That's like... Holy cow, like, did you just went through his MMA career and saw that all three of his losses were to tap outs. Like, he tapped out. <laughs> and so to see Floyd, like, you know, obviously you're going to do your history, you're going to do your research on your fighter. But that was one of the most uh, interesting things that I had I had realized a couple days ago, and then I saw it again when, when Floyd was talking about it. I, I found that interesting that, hey, you openly called this dude out three times on all three of his, his tap outs, and then he quit. He he legit tapped out, and if we remember, uh, the Misha Tate, uh, it was Holly Holmes, the Holly Holmes fight with Misha Tate. Uh, it was on that same fight car where Misha Tate took down Holly Holmes, put her in a rear naked choke. Holly Holmes fought, 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 passed out. She was caught in a rear naked choke. That was it. Conor McGregor, on the other hand, he was, you know, he's fighting, take, fighting, fighting, fighting. Finally, uh, they got cinched in, and he just started tapping out to, to Nate Diaz, and you know that's the that was it was funny because. The mark of a champion, you know, we saw Holmes, she was fighting it out, she passed out. She didn't tap, she just passed out. And that's how they, they ended the fight. And then here's Conor McGregor, the man who's talking about, I don't quit, I don't do this, I stay up all da 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 and then he tapped out. So, um, 
you know, Floyd's using that mental game saying, hey, you know, you tapped out. He played a song called Tap Out to McGregor. Interesting. I found that funny. And then McGregor tried to laugh it off, but you could kind of see that was already in his head. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Connor, Connor likes to get personal with people. Like, like I remember Floyd used to get personal with people. Now Connor's doing it. Like, Connor, Connor, Connor called Floyd's antics out. He's like, you got 50 stripper bitches on your payroll. Shout out to those stripper bitches. And Connor's, Connor's going to get personal, and I think he's going to try to get in, in Floyd's head, but I just don't think that you're going to be able to get in Floyd's head like you want to. Like, Floyd can't read. Shout out to 50 Cent for calling that out and trying to get him to read a page out of Dr. Seuss. But Floyd can't read, so he's not going to get worried, worried too much. Yeah, and, you know, Floyd's even said it. He's like, I don't have to be able to know how to read. I just don't have to know how, I have to know how many zeros to count at the end of my check. Like, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. You know, he even went back, and even Floyd, shout-outs to uh, shout outs for Floyd for pointing this out, too, where he went and talked to Dana White, and he was like, hey, Dana, you know, I, I like you. I don't have a problem with you. I like you. You know why? Because you're the pimp, and all these guys here are your hoes. Like, you hoe them out. Like, yeah, Connor's making money, but you're making more money, too. Like, it was just, it was interesting to see, because he was like, we know how to use these European people to our expense. We'll just do what we want to do with them. And it was interesting, man, that when you go back and think about it, man, Dana White, yeah, you know, Conor McGregor is the winner in this fight. Win or lose, Conor McGregor was won. He wanted to fight Floyd Mayweather. He kept calling Mayweather. He kept poking Mayweather. Mayweather finally said, yes, we'll fight. Now, Conor is, you know, he's even said he's about to quadruple his, his net worth just from this one fight. That's amazing. Is he still the the A type per, uh, the A person in this game? Probably not because you're fighting Floyd Mayweather. And Floyd, according to Forbes.com, announced that Floyd, if pay-per-views hit as much as they're supposed to, Floyd is supposed to make $400 million on this one fight, and Conor is supposed to be pulling in $150 million. That's a huge money difference, but, you know, Conor is making $150 million at the age of 29, where Floyd is making $400 million at the age of 40. And if we watch Conor progress up, up and up and up, you're going to probably see Conor as a promoter be making those kind of shout-outs. And, you know, here's Dana White on the back, like, yeah, well, I get my piece of the bread too, so... All three of those guys are making huge, huge money. It's insane to see. Yep, and, and I think I think it, I think I think I got a shout out to Showtime for 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 airing this fight, letting them do their thing. Um, they they didn't have to do that. I mean, they could they could have went to HBO and said, "Good luck with that one, buddy." No, they definitely could have. They definitely could have gone and said, "You know what? We're gonna." We'll let HBO hold this fight. But there are so many sponsorships that are going on in this. You know, rumor has it that Nike is trying to get involved. Uh, Under Armour is trying to get involved. Obviously, Reebok is trying to get involved. Uh, uh, who else do we have? Everlast will obviously be in there. Um, you know, Adidas every single person is trying to get into it. What's that? Adidas is, is trying to get in there. Adidas has put out that they would pay some good money to, to, to try to sponsor yeah, because what you what you what you're gonna start seeing though is that these guys will make that money back tenfold. Shit, if I was if I was Dell computers, I'd be like, man, where's that? Everybody needs a Dell guy because that guy can get in here and we can make some serious money off this fight too. We just have to have him stand there, and not even do anything. This would be a huge fight, you know. I would if I was Budweiser, I would put put ads out there, Bud like as well. You know, uh, the UFC is obviously gonna make some money off this fight too because you know. 
Here's a UFC fighter coming along. So this is a huge jump for the MMA world. Um, the one funny thing I did mention, too, in the blog is that technically, technically, between boxers and MMA fighters, uh, MMA is up 1-0. And who is that? Uh, so you have James Lights Out Tony, remember? He got taken down, tapped out to Randy Couture. And, uh, oh, yeah? The UFC, yeah, it was at a, it was a UFC 209, I believe. If I remember right, I don't – no, that's not right. Um, let's see. Tony lights out. I can't totally remember. By, 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 while you're looking uh, that up, I'm going to give you a shout out first because you use Dell computer and not IBM's computers. <laughs> you know, uh, we don't – we don't want to, just, uh, to put it out there like that. You know, some of us have a, a bad experience. I don't want to put those guys under the bus, so I'm not going to. I know uh, some of us other people have some bad history with them, but uh, it's the UFC 118. UFC 118 that um, definitely uh, Randy Couture tapped out. Uh, he tapped out James Lights Out Tony to an arm triangle choke. That, that's interesting. I do remember that. Yep, it was, remember, uh, they were doing the commercials, and, like, uh, Randy Couture at the time, remember, he was promoting the gym thing, and he was just like, what are you waiting for, princess? And then James Light, James Lights Out Tony was using that, too. He's like, come on, princess, don't be afraid to get in the ring with me, in the octagon with me, blah, 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 blah. And then he got taken down and tapped out in an arm triangle choke, and that was actually the same night that Randy Couture was awarded his black belt. Yep. Shout out to Boston for holding that event down. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'm glad that we were able to say that one more time. No, go ahead. All right, so, uh, you know, it is getting to that time, man. We're going to wrap up the show. Uh, next week, as we did mention, we will be talking about the UFC 214. We're going to talk about the predictions of our card. We're, uh, we're excited, man, because, you know, John Jones is making his return back to the octagon. Hopefully, this week, he doesn't pop up for the USADA again because that's going to be killer to the whole entire uh, conversation. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on, and we said that we would end the show the same way every time. Uh, we want to give a big shout out to our veterans worldwide, home front and overseas. You know, you guys are in our thoughts and prayers all the time, as well as our first responders. I don't want to leave you guys out there, but uh, you know, we have our hearts set with uh, the military. You know, whether you're Army, you're Navy, you're a Marine, you're in the Air Force your Coast Guard, National Guard, Reserves, wherever you are, man. If you're serving in this country of ours, thank you so much for everything. You guys are loved by us so much. And, uh, Anthony, what do you have to say for it? I actually do have a uh, personal shout-out that I want to do. I, uh, uh, we, we talk about veterans. I just got uh, one of my dear friends, uh, Mariano Dorado. He just got back from deployment on Friday. Um, so I want to give a big shout out for him. He he got back safe. Uh, my uh, my brother Octavio Beza, his sister Claudia, she she was on that same deployment and she got back Friday as well from our deployment. So thank God that they're both ha- back home safe in our arms. Um, right back with you, Cliff. Um, we are me. If, for people that don't know, me and Cliff both are veterans. We have in the Air Force, me in the Army. Cliff is a big advocate for 22. 22 is too many to lose. And I'm a big advocate for I got your six means I got your back. If you guys ever need anything from us, you can always reach out via Twitter, via Instagram, via Snapchat, Facebook, text, phone, 
if you have to get on MySpace and slap me on MySpace, I will look at my MySpace for you. Yeah, so that's a huge deal, man. You can find us all over social media, whether it's, um, you know, as you said, Snapchat. You can find us on Twitter. Um, if you guys want to find us um, at at Get the KO, uh, you guys can also find us on the blog, getthekao.blogspot.com. You guys can also find us on Facebook as well as, um, you know, at Snapchat. And uh, one other thing, man, I want to give a big shout-out to my homeboy. Uh, he's in the Air Force. He's an amateur fighter right now, and you can find him. Uh, his name is Justin the Ghost Starks amazing fighter, amazing person. Uh, you know, he is a, a new father too, so we all want to welcome with that. Um, and, you know, it's going to be great to watch him climb up in his career. Definitely. Um, and on that, you guys can definitely follow me on Twitter and Snapchat at A Lujan1985. That's A-L-U-J-A-N-1985 on Twitter. And my Instagram is Anthony Lujan1985. And that's everything for us tonight. So we love you guys. We, you know, thank you for supporting us and talking to, uh, listening to us. Uh, next week, as we said, UFC 214. We're definitely excited for this fight card. We love you guys. Go out there and get the KO. All right, brother. Thank you. All right, bye. What's going on? What's up, man? Not much. Hey, we want to welcome everybody to our first ever podcast of our great show. It's going to be called Get the KO. You guys, uh, we're just here kind of talking about our favorite UFC fighters, events. We're going to also talk about some of the future events that are coming out. I'm going to be one of your hosts. My name is Clifford Red Dog Miller. And with me is always Anthony Lujan. You can call me Lou. Follow Lou. So here's what um, we want to talk about with you guys, man. Just like I said, this is kind of our fun time where we get to talk about some of the past events that have gone on. So, you know, recently um, a lot of people have asked if we were going to start up a podcast, but we decided that we wanted to do it because we felt like it was something that we were just passionate about. Uh, I've been watching the UFC since uh, UFC 1, you know, and UFC 2, you know, watching the Hoist Gracie and the guys. So I feel like I've been able to kind of judge here and there about good Good fighters, good characters, and seeing guys come through the ranks. Anthony, what about you? I've I've been watching since about oh five oh six, right around that uh, Ken Shamrock, Tito Ortiz rivalry that started. Right on, right on. So, uh, just for me and my myself, uh, just kind of tell you guys a little bit. Uh, one of my favorite fighters to come out would actually be uh, kind of in the tops right now. I have a GST as well as Matt Hughes, my two favorite. Matt Hughes was always a dominant wrestler. Uh, one of my favorite moments of him was just when he fought uh, Carlos Newton, a guy who came out and showed off who he was. He was kind of stylish kind of dude, where Matt Hughes, more of a in-your-face brute kind of dude, just wanted to take you down, beat you up, and just kind of let you know what was going on. And uh, he was taking down uh, Carlos Newton here, left and right, and finally Newton decided he was going to try to put him on a triangle choke, uh, slaps him on the choke, holds him on. Matthews, without panicking, picks him up, puts him on the side of the cage, turns around. Then, as he starts to pass out due to primal choke, body slams, well, power bomb, Carlos Newton to the mat and knocks out uh, Carlos Newton. He was also out himself, but the referee awarded the fight to Matthews, and Matthews then became a champion. Uh, I love the fact that he's from the Midwest. You know, he trains with Pat Militech back in the day, and I know Matthews, you're still in our thoughts and prayers. You're out there. Uh, 
fighting coming back from what you have, as well as GSP. So GSP is another great fighter. If you ever wanted to see, he's a true evolutionist. He's one of those guys that uh, you just never knew what to expect from GSP. But any hole that you happen to find in GSP's game, he quickly cinched that up. He would talk about his ground game. He worked on his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for a long time, got really good at it. Uh, he got dominated by Matt Hughes at one time in a wrestling game. People didn't think he had what was his take, so he started training with the National Canadian Wrestling Team. Turned out to be really well for him. Even some of the Canadian wrestlers out there said he could uh, he could be one of those guys who competes on on an Olympic level. And then uh, you know people talked about his boxing and his striking game. And he went out and got a Frederick Rose box taco. And then you see that he's always had like a fly belt and uh, I think it's Kempo, uh, right, Anthony? Say that one more time, Cliff. So uh, with GSP, one of his uh, his kicks. When you learned how to kick, he was really using more like a Kempo style kind of kick, Muay Thai looking kind of style yeah. where he was on the attack. Yeah, he, more, he's a way more of a Muay Thai style kicker. Yeah, and so he's always he's always dominated the game, always evolutionized the game. And it's one of those things I love about watching him fight is just that he never loses composure. You know, I know he's lost a couple, he lost a couple fights, went to a psychologist, kind of got checked out. They kind of cleared him, gave him the okay to... To get back in the ring, told him how he could get over his fear of losing, and he's ever since then, man, he's dominated fighters. Now, recently when he fought Johnny Hendrick, that was a different ordeal. You know, he wasn't in the right state of mind. He did win the fight, which uh, kind of gives like you might think he might have won the fight. Judges may have given him the fight, but he did come out with the W, and now he's gonna be back in the octagon. This is good. The first time since 2013 that we've seen him fight, and he's gonna be back sometime later this year. Anthony, what about you, man? Who are some of your favorite fighters? And then we're going to also get into talking about our favorite fights. All right. So my all-time favorite fighter is Anderson Silva. He quiet at first, and then he kind of got, started getting cocky and going with it. Uh, one of the best fights I've ever seen him do is get dominated for four and a half rounds by Chael Sun and then just show no quit and slip on that arm triangle and just uh, – with a head triangle and, and tap out Chael, that was something that just attracted me. Like, he never quit. Anderson Silva never quit. Come back from a broken leg, still coming out fighting. He, when he fought, Daniel Cormier got dominated on the ground. One kick to the ribs, Daniel Cormier said, I don't want to do that no more. And, and he did that on a one-day notice because John Jones couldn't, couldn't fight because of his or, ordeal. Um Big on Donald Cerrone. I'm a huge Cowboy Cerrone fan. He just up in your face, up in your grill, has no fear, lives life with no fear. I remember I just there was a story that uh, he was scuba diving, and his tank kind of tanked on him, and he was like 5,000 feet below the water, and he had to swim back up. Um, another one of my big, big fighters that I like to watch, and I, I follow a lot, I follow him on Snapchat. I follow him on Twitter. I follow uh, Nate Diaz. I just love him. He just cracks me up. He he's almost a comedian for what the stuff that he does, but he also backs it up in that cage. Uh, ask Conor McGregor. What do you think, Cliff? No, you're definitely you're you're definitely right right on the spot, man. Uh, talking about you know Nate Diaz, he's great. You know everybody loves that uh, that slap that he does when he wants to taunt his fighters, man. It's just the Stockton slaps is just uh, it's an amazing thing to watch him do his uh, do. He's a long, lanky fighter. He likes to fight at a 
know, that, that 150, 155, 170 weight class where he looked long. I think he got a lot of strength behind him. You know, you were talking about uh, one of the up-and-comers and some of the newer fighters that were watching. And, of course, you and I kind of differ on this, but I'm a big, big fan of Mickey Gall. I know that uh, I follow him on Snapchat as well. I listen to him on the Twitter account, and then I kind of follow him as he kind of makes his UFC journey. I know he's only had a few professional fights, and one of those few professional fights was against WWE, uh, you know, should be a Hall of Famer. We'll see if that happens at one time. CM Punk, uh, Phil Brooks, for those who want to know what his real name is. Uh, he went out and dominated Phil, tapped him out with the rear naked choke. But he's also gone out and finished other fighters, such as a Sage Super North Cut, or Super Sage North Cut. Uh, he was able to call him out and fight him. We haven't seen Mickey in the ring since that fight, but we'll see what happens in the future uh, coming up. What about you, Anthony? Who is, uh, other than Don Cerrone, who's another fighter that you are looking forward to seeing? I'm really looking forward to seeing what, uh, what Robbie Whitaker does. I mean, he's, He's been in the game, but he's just up and coming now. Like, like his name is getting brought out. Uh, that's something that we'll talk about here in a little bit. But uh, I think I think he gets his hands hold of that title that he might hold that title for a year or so. Um, very, very big-hearted guy, and packs a mean punch. Is one of the biggest things I like about him. He's not afraid to to stand there and throw blows with you if needed. No, you're right. He's definitely one of those guys. We'll, we'll talk more about that later on the show about uh, UFC 213 because you know there were some big surprises going on in that in that fight in that fight card as well as just like in that fight itself too. Because I mean, we had we had different opinions about what could have happened in that fight, what was going to happen, and obviously we saw it's a different fight than what we thought was going to go down. Uh, another thing that we want to talk about too is uh, our favorite fight, like. How would we qualify ourselves to be uh, UFC analysts or just people who will love UFC if we didn't have a favorite fight of our own? Anthony, you and I, we have talked about this numerous times in, in our whole entire friendship that we've been uh, known each other. What is your favorite fight in the UFC? My favorite fight in the UFC all time is a toss-up between Carlos Condit and Robbie Lawler. That was a five-round war, which I, I scored the card. Uh, uh, Carlos, the natural-born killer, winning that fight, but uh, the judges came out different. That was a – both those dudes aren't scared of getting hit and throwing, and that's what we got out of that. There was, like, over 300 punches thrown total, over – 250 of them were landed. You you look at you look at uh, Robbie's face after that fight, and it was you can tell he was in a war. Carlos not so much. I mean, because Robbie landed a lot more on the body. Um, that that was that's probably one of my all time favorite fights. My other one that's really hot up is uh, is Goof is Alexander Goofuston Gustafsson. Sorry about that. Um, him and John Jones went to war. For, in that five-round thing, I mean, they both had to go to the hospital afterwards. John Jones' lips were swelled. Uh, John Jones ended up coming out with that victory, but Gustafsson showed so much into that, and he countered everything that John did and just to come out with a loss. I really think that John Jones won that fight, but hands down, one of the best fights you've ever seen. No, I agree, man. But, it, was a, it was definitely a bloodbath between those two where you saw Alexander and you saw John Jones going back and forth, just toe-to-toe. They weren't afraid to throw the punches. 
what I liked about it was it really pushed John Jones into a different category because remember everybody was talking about how are you going to do like movies the same same build same strength as you and uh, John Jones came out and he showed us exactly what was going to happen he could take it he could take the heat as well as he could dish the heat out and that's what he was doing that whole time I have to agree that's probably sitting in probably my top three fights of all time uh, one of my other favorite fights that I'll never forget would be um, Travis Hoppleground, who I've made it no secret is one of my favorite fighters. Uh, when he fought uh, Alistair Overeem, uh, Overeem was dominating the fight. It was looking like uh, Travis wasn't going to come back from it. He delivered one one foot to the face of Alistair Overeem. Overeem fell, and like that was it. Uh, Hoppel got on top, started beating him down. I remember I was laying in my bed watching that fight, and as soon as I saw uh, Overeem's feet kind of give out, and then he laid on his back. I was out of bed. I was yelling in bed. My wife couldn't figure out what was going on. She thought we were being attacked, and I was just screaming at the top of my lungs because I was so excited for Hopper Brown to win that fight. Um, my favorite fight, though, of all time, and it has to go without saying, I mean, you cannot include this. You can't have a top five if you include this fight, but Stephen Bonner, Forrest Griffin, uh, the ultimate fighter finale. What a war. You want to talk about the war for war? I don't know of any guys who just exhaust themselves to a limit where they do not know where they are, and they're still in a ring fighting. You had Stephen Bonner in the third round with, like, 30 seconds left in the fight trying to throw, like, a spinning heel kick to connect to the body of Forrest Griffin. It's just that war in itself, man. It just established two great fighters going at it. And, of course, you know, Forrest Griffin would go on to become the light heavyweight champion, Stephen Bonner, not so much. He just kind of had a career where people knew him as the American psycho, and then eventually he got released uh, from uh, the UFC and then went to go fight Tito Ortiz out in uh, uh, Bellator. And, you know, that result ended up being the same thing, where, you know, Stephen Bonner was kind of out of his league and got, got dominated by Tito Ortiz. But that's for another show, another time. We don't really need to talk about that. Um, Moving kind of along with our segments, man, what about your favorite knockout that you've ever seen, Anthony? That's just a, one of those subjects that uh, that that it's a toss-up. You, you got you got the the Anderson Anderson Silver front head kick on Vitor Belfort in that first round of a quick knockout. You got you got Dan Henderson shutting up Michael Lisbing with a KO and then an extra punch. Um, one of my favorite ones though was uh, Leota Moshida versus Sugar Rashad, and just w- the first time I ever got to really watch somebody's knees buckle is when Leoto made Rashad uh, just completely like flip onto his head from one of those head punches. That that right there uh, made me a Leoto Moshida fan. That that guy is will always be one of the USC greats. Another one was uh, was just recently, actually. It was uh, Donald Cerrone, one of my favorite fighters, head-kicking Matthew Immortal Brown and sending him into a new dimension. That was probably my favorite knockout right there. Those are, those are, some, those are some classic knockouts there. I think uh, for me, uh, as far as favorite knockout goes, kind of have to caveat or set it up you know, the way it works. Uh, I, I keep referring to this fight because this was a fight that just showed two guys who were just giants, right? So, yeah, Stephen Struve, 
you know, six foot eleven, I think is what he is, six foot ten, six foot eleven. You had him battling against Travis Brown, who's like six seven, six eight. There's a clear height and reach advantage, uh, obviously going towards Stephen Struve. But the one thing that it kind of made everything awesome was when uh Travis Hopper Brown hit him with the Superman punch, reaching it to the air. Truly looked like Clark Kent hitting, you know, Doomsday or like another fat guy sending him into another dimension, like you had mentioned in previous. Uh, but it took Stephen Struve a whole second to like fall over, which was hilarious because he was out of the feet. As soon as he started timbering over, that was it. It always just, I was in astonishment. I couldn't believe that someone would actually end somebody that way. It was an incredible, incredible, incredible knockout. Uh, one of my other favorite knockouts, uh, we have to go back. Well, we don't have to go too far back, actually. Edson Barbosa. You remember that kick? The from Brazil, yep. Yeah, Edson Barbosa when he did his reverse uh reverse heel kick and he caught um he caught old boy in the face, put him out for the night, stiffened him up, and he just oh, it was one of those fights I'll just never truly get out of my head just because it, it it looked like it hurt all the way down. Um poor Terry Itman, he just he just never saw it coming. Like, he just never, he never saw the heel kick coming. And even if he did, I don't think it's something that he could have possibly stopped just because Edson Barbosa is so fast at his feet, just a great all-around knockout artist. Uh, so let's talk about last night, right? We had UFC 213 happen. Uh, big controversy in the fight and just the fight card itself. How did you feel about the fight card? Uh, the fight card from what we had, was was decent. A couple shockers, a um, couple iffies by the judge, and, you know, uh, of course you got, uh, you got Amanda Nunez pulling out last second because she didn't feel well. So uh, kind of bumming about that, that fight card, actually. You know, the one thing I did, I, I kind of said this on the blog. Um, if you guys don't know, you guys can go to blogspot.com. Uh, you guys just type in get the KO, or if you want to go directly to it, it's get the ko.blogspot.com. Uh, we go in there, we talk all the time, we just, you know, put up an article here, or there, kind of mention things that are going on. But to have a name like the Lioness, right? So Amanda Nunes, the Lioness, she was supposed to be fierce. You know, this is the girl who uh, took out Misha Tate, took out Ronda Rousey. She's taken out, uh, uh, she's taken out Sarah McMahon. We've seen a who's who's list of who she's beaten. And to see her fight uh, Valentina for a second time and not want to go back and fight because she said she didn't feel right kind of almost made me feel like she was sucking her versus, you know, saying that she was truly ill. She may have been truly ill. She kind of claims that there was a sickness going on with her. I don't really know if that to be the case because the doctors had cleared her to fight that fight. And it was upsetting that, you know, as a champion, you have you set that precedent that you can handle anything thrown at you. It wasn't necessarily we gave you a title here, go defend it. You know, you didn't earn it, but you have a fight. She earned that fight title when she beat Misha Tate. She earned that title when she took down. Let's be real. We refer to her as the queen of all the women's division, Ronda Rousey. She earned that, and to have her go back and say no, I don't want to fight Valencia. Uh, Valentina because I don't feel well. Kind of a tough call, man, and I really wasn't happy about it. Uh, you know, true champions find a way to not only fight, but to win. And 
you know, whether we talk about people like uh, Demetrius Johnson, uh, Joanna Jervankichik, uh, she was another one. You know, these are, these are people who got into these octagons and they are ready to battle. Cain Velasquez is the same way. And I know as a spectator, that's tough for me to say because I was a kid when I was young. I broke some ribs. I didn't want to wrestle uh, in this, this dual tournament. I didn't want to put myself through seven matches of hell where, like, I had to go through and suffer. But other people felt differently. Other people felt like because I could run, I could talk, I could lift, I should be able to go wrestle. And I didn't feel that way because I was, I was legitimately was injured where I feel like if you're sick, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be telling people, you shouldn't show up to the fight week saying, hey, I'm sick, and then go through all the promotions and then the very last minute pull out the fight card. I completely agree with you there, brother. I, uh, but, hey, look, look at Michael Jordan, like like we talked earlier. Look at Michael Jordan. He came in that day ill, puking everywhere, and turned around to, to have one of the, his greatest games. Yeah, you know, we uh, the flu game, you know, and that's what we're talking about. Champions will find ways to win. And, uh, you know, and you can go through any player, man. If you look through the NFL, you know, there are, there are, glad, there are gladiators in there who are just concussed or they're not feeling well. Or maybe they got a pulled hamstring or a hurt arm. Or let's be honest, we don't even have to take it that far. We can go back into the boxing. Let's talk about Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather, where Pacquiao went to the fight knowing that he had hurt shoulders but he still wanted to fight because he wanted to perform for the fans. It was a head case issue. It was a physical injury that a lot of fans were pissed off, right? They demanded their money back because they were like, look, Manny Pacquiao wasn't a full 100%. I don't want to get in the car. You know what I mean? I want to see. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree with that. I, uh, my, some fans here, like, if you don't pay attention too much and you're just like, oh, we're going to get the fights, we ordered fights and none, to find out that a, that a man in union has pulled out, I I would have been upset too. Yeah, I definitely felt like you know, and it's not like she owes an apology to the fans because you know if you're sick, you're sick. Okay, that's whatever, right? Uh, but it's it's a sickness. You're gonna get over it. You were at the fight that weigh-in night, the ceremonial weigh-in fights, and you were in there talking trash to uh, Valentina at that time, and then you backed out. And so, to me, I feel like she was just ducking at the fight. She wasn't really trying to get it in, and and that's how I'm gonna. That's how I see it. That's what I'm gonna say. Um, but enough about her because you know she was. I just I disagree. Got to worry about her. <laughs> let's uh let's move up. So let's talk about this fight card in itself. Uh, one of my things that I want I like to do is I like to watch the uh, the UFC Fight Pass card as well as the Fox Sports One card. Uh, let's be real. Uh, have, did you watch the Trevin Giles fight? So which one? Trevin Giles. He was the first fight of the night. He was a light heavyweight. My man is a complete nightmare. Uh, second round, two two minutes and fifty four seconds left in the fight. Scores a knockout. It was brutal, <laughs> so brutal. They uh, actually had to take uh, James out of the octagon on a stretcher because he was still outside and yeah. they finished saying anything. Yeah, I, I, I did not get to watch those. I uh, I will have to go back and watch those. I I got I got I got in just to watch that Travis Brown fight and the rest and then the main card. Yeah. So another another there's a, there's another perfect example of a person that we need to talk about right now. Uh, kind of a great segue. Travis Brown at the UFC event. Uh, now this is Lawson 
four in a row for him. So four out of four, five is in a row. It's ridiculous. You know, uh, BJ Penn, you know, is a, is a is a great example of a man who is kind of well past his prime and shouldn't be fighting five losses in a row. We're looking at Travis Brown, who's still relatively young in the game. I mean, he's 34 now. Still kind of, you would want to say he's kind of older in the game, older in the tooth, but are long in the tooth a little bit. But the thing about him is that he's been fighting under the same fight team for a long time. And when he was training at Greg Jackson's camp uh, with John Jones and those guys, that's when he had, like, all those victories put together. He strung all those victories together, and then he had a second loss decided it wasn't for him anymore, ran to Glendale Fight Club, joined up, and it was a big controversy for him, man. You know, uh, Greg Jackson wished him well, said, hey, I hope you do well out here. But ever since he joined Glenn, uh, the Glenn team, Glendale team, you know, him, Ronda, 0 for 6 in the fight. And it's been crazy that it's been that bad of uh, a streak, streak of luck for him. You know, I, I wish him well. I wish that he would... uh leave that fight camp, possibly go back to Greg Jackson and uh, turn it up because I want to see the Travis Brown that I'm so used to seeing, the guy who was undefeated, a nightmare, people were getting knocked out by him. I want to see that Travis Brown come back. I, uh, yeah, I just, it's it's really hard to say, say this, but the UFC has a huge decision to make on him. He's lost four in a row. He hasn't looked at in his last eight fights, really. Um, like, are, are are they finally going to cut ties with this guy? Like, I'd hate to see him go. But on the on the other hand, I'd love to see him leave because he, as much as I love watching him, he's not there no more. Like, he's not there mentally. He's not there physically. The last two fights, even against Derek Lewis, but did he no cardio, no energy, nothing. Like, how much more can we watch as fans, as analysts, how much more can we watch of this guy go in there, have high hopes, and get get heartbroken because he doesn't show up? You know, it's funny because we talked about that a lot. Where uh, you know, we we saw the we saw the cardio that he had, which was not there at all. He uh, he looks a little, and I and I don't want to sound like I'm weird about this, but he looks a little fluffier than what he usually looks like in this fight. Right, so he doesn't look like he he's been training as hard. The other part I have a problem with is he's been focusing on his strike game as far as punching, and you can tell that it's been affecting his legs because once he delivered that kick uh, to Olenek, like, like that was it. Yep. Like, she busted open bleeding, and it was the first thing I noticed about the fight. You and I were talking about, I was like, yo, you could tell he's not kicking anymore because he literally was bleeding out of his shin, and it might have been that he got his his shin checked, but. Someone who trains in kicking all the time, to have something like that happen, like you have got to, if you're hitting shin to shin, usually if you're training in your kicks, it's not happening as much. For example, Meman hits uh, Chris Weaven in the leg just right and snaps his leg, and you didn't see no blood. It was just a broken leg. And now you're looking over at Travis Brown, who's bleeding, and you're like, okay, you can tell that you have not been training in your kicks. And that he's not training in his ground game either, because all Olenek got, all Olenek did was get on top, and Travis Brown was pretty much like, you know what, I don't even want to be here right now. It tapped out. Like, that's, you could tell, like, Travis's heart is truly out of the game, and he's probably sitting back thinking to himself, you know what, I can make a quick, you know, $12,000, $20,000 in this fight, and then not even worry about 
the consequences because Rhonda's over here making a couple million for us. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, especially when you uh, buy that diamond that he bought for her. You've got to pay that off. Well, you know, it's funny because even Travis Brown in that fight, he got $120,000 in that fight. You know, this is uh, this is over looking over at Wikipedia really quick just to kind of see how the commissions broke out. But $120,000 to hold an L. Like, that's that's not cool. Like, you shouldn't. I mean, that's a lot of money to bring in. And you clearly see that the money kind of, kind of sucked whatever pride he wanted kind of added to yeah, he 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 used to be a prize fighter, and then now he's become a dud. That's what it seems like. He, where he's at is is I'm and I'm a betting man. If he gets another UFC fight, I'm probably gonna put money on the other guy. You have to. You you really have to consider putting money on the other guy because the other guy really is gonna be hungry, you know. And and you can see in uh you can see in, in Travis's eyes that he's not the fighter that he used to be. I went out and tweeted at him. I told him, I was like, hey, man, tough luck. Wish you well, but I, you need to leave. You need to leave Glendale Academy and get back to break back. You were a star. Yeah. I remember, remember, he threw, he's the only heavyweight to throw a double knee uh, strike and land it and KO the other heavyweight, which I don't think I've seen another heavyweight attempt to throw like a flying knee, let alone do it with both knees. And now we're seeing, like, he's just kind of fading out. And he's just like, you know what? I think I'm happy where I am in life, and I'm just going to do this. And if he's happy in life, hey, more power to you. I'm glad. Just step out of the fight game. Let's make some room for some of these up-and-comers. And you just stop being a pushover. And let's move. Because you used to be the line. If you could beat Travis Brown, then people were like, all right, this guy's got some skill. Now he's not even the line. He's just kind of another passerby. And until he starts showing up and saying, hey, I want to fight, then let's, let's see it happen. You know, my biggest problem was is recently on Twitter, he called out Derek Lewis. Hey, let's run that back. After, he, after Derek Lewis took an L to Mark Hunt. Well, wait a minute. You're going to call out Derek Lewis. He beat you. He called out your wife because he was looking for her or your fiance. He was looking for her. And then you're going to come back at Twitter and be like, hey, let's run that back. You can't even beat an up-and-comer. Like Olenek, which I give him props, he did win that fight with the submission. But you can't even beat him. Like, how are you going to call Derek Lewis out? Derek Lewis lost to Mark Hunt, who not only did Derek Lewis dominate you, but he took your best shots in the first round when you're the most, uh, when you have the most stamina. Agreed. I completely agree with that. I, I think, I think it's, it's like I, I'm with you. I think it's time for you, Travis Brown, to move on. Let's. Go somewhere else. Let's let's go to let's go to Bellator and see what they got because the UFC's talent is is just getting better and better, and it looks like and you're getting worse and worse. Uh, that's definitely true. Hey guys, so if you wanted to um, follow kind of some of the stuff that we were talking about, you can go check us out. Uh, GetTheKO.blogspot.com, or if you just go to blogspot.com, you can even type in Get the KO and you can find it. Uh, that's what we're here. We're talking about. Uh, you know, just the past five cards for USC uh, 213. We've been excited about it, and we've been talking about it most of the time. We've also been talking about some kind of our favorite fighters. Uh, you know, then we move up into the main card where we have Rob Front fighting uh, Douglas Silva de Andra. You know, and we have a submission victory there with Rob Front, who looked really good on the ground. Yeah, agreed. He, he looked really, really good. 
from beginning to end. I was really impressed with this kid. Yeah, he's definitely going to be one of those guys that you need to keep watching on a band of weight scale. He looks like he's going to be pretty tough. Uh, I'm definitely excited to see what he can keep doing. Got to keep an eye on him. Um, you know, we got to talk about the next fight because I, as much as Rob, Rob showed up and he did his thing, uh, let's talk about the return of Showtime, right? Fighting a very tough Jim Miller. Uh, he looked like he outclassed Jim Miller, which is tough to say because Jim Miller is such a great striker, a great wrestler, and you saw Anthony Pettis show up and have the Showtime of his life. No pun intended, but I just wanted to throw his game out there kind of in a reference, but Showtime showed up and he let Jim Miller know, hey, I'm back in my division. This is my lightweight. I'm the former champion and I'm going to come back to my title. It was great to see. What would you, what would you talk on the fight? That Pettis looked healthy and happy. That was, that was the one thing I noticed when about midway through the second is when he, when he was connecting with the one, two combo, like over and over, he, he didn't look like he was dead from the weight cuts and everything. And he said it right after the post, the, after the, the post-fight interview, like, fighters, stay in your weight. There's no reason to go and kill yourself on these cuts. Um, Showtime looked like the old Showtime. He looked like he was ready to have some fun, knock somebody out, and throw as many t- punches and kicks as possible. My man, did, my man has got to be the only person to do a, a handstand kick in the third round, just period. I mean, that was a phenomenal move that we saw happen. Uh, kind of some quick stats from the UFC.com site. Uh, total strikes, 107 of 150 landed uh, for Pettis. You know, Jim Miller on the other side was 51 of 113. So not only was Pettis able to make Jim Miller miss, but made him miss often, kind of made him look foolish. So 71% versus 45% uh, are significant strikes. A little closer. 80 of 121 for 66% for Anthony Pettis. Jim Miller was at 48 of 110 for 43%. So he kind of saw a significant strike that did land, uh, but the takedowns was definitely huge, right? So Anthony Anthony uh, Pettis, one for two, 50%, whereas Jim Miller, uh, one for four for 25%. So we definitely saw that Pettis' uh, his takedown defense was really improving. We saw his strike game still improving. He's still trying to throw wild, wild ass kicks. At least we're not seeing him try to jump off the cage, which I do appreciate the Showtime kick was a phenomenal move. Uh, and Benson Henderson never saw that thing coming, which was amazing. <laughs> uh, but you have to give it mm-hmm. up. I mean, he was definitely, he definitely outclassed uh, Jim Miller, which is, like I said, it's tough to do. I agree with you. Um, I, he looked really good. He looked like he was having fun. And that, that that's what I missed about watching Showtime Bettis is, him coming to UFC and cutting all that weight, he just he didn't look comfortable. He didn't look like himself, and now now he's back. And I'm excited to see what he's gonna bring in the next few fights. You know, it's funny because I think about when um when so you know cutting from 155 to 145, you know 10 pounds makes a huge difference. And uh, remember, California kid did the same thing, man, where he just dropped 10 pounds and he just looked way too thin to fight in a fight in a weight class. And now, like, you know, you kind of head on yourself where Anthony DePettis looked healthy, looked like he was going to have some fun, and he did. He showed up and showed out. So it was good for him. Congratulations to Anthony DePettis for his victory. Uh, let's move on to the next part, right? Uh, Curtis Blades versus uh, Daniel Olamachok. <laughs> I missed a lot of his name. Uh, definitely a good fight. Uh, I definitely saw Curtis definitely uh, control uh, a lot of the moves, uh, even though he was uh, – 
he was 0 for 13 on his takedown, which, let's be real, I don't know why you're shooting 13 takedowns in the middle of the octagon. Uh, at some point <laughs> in time, you're going to get caught with a knee to the face, and it's going to end you for the night. <laughs> I agree. I, uh, the dude came in looking good. His striking looked a lot better than his takedown that the takedowns were trying to look. Um, that that fight, kind of how I seen it coming. He was, he was, he looked like he was gonna bully the guy. He looked like he was bigger. He looked like he was, looked like he was more mentally ready for this fight than than his opponent. And that's what it came down to is, is the, the 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 strong mental stability of. Of a, a blade doing what he had to do. Yeah, and, and one thing too uh, between Curtis and Daniel, man, you know, like three percent difference in total strikes. Again, we're getting these stats from the USD.com. Uh, significant strikes was huge, though, man. Even though it was a four percent difference, we're talking seventy-two landing versus fifty-one. Um, but Curtis, man, he just he would let everything fly. I mean, we're talking one hundred ninety-four uh, total strikes, one hundred sixty-eight. Uh, significant strikes and 13 takedowns. So you don't have to Curtis. You don't have to question Curtis's stamina because it's there. You can see it. Uh, we'll see what happens with him once he starts moving up in the weight class, uh, especially in, into into that heavyweight division. So you know it's stacked with talent. And even the fight after him, we have to get into right. So we have Alistair, the Reem Overeem versus Fabricio Wardoom, and uh, once again. Uh, Alistair, man, Alistair being Alistair definitely was there. But uh, one thing that did stand out is that Alistair's chin is not as strong as he used to be. He definitely took one tag from Fabrizio. Uh, it looked like it did a lot of damage because as soon as he hit the ground, uh, it looked like it was about to be lights out for the fight. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And... One thing I, I stress on and I tell everybody this is I know Las Vegas is a money-making city and it helps the UFC a lot, but these judges seem to get it wrong. Like, you look at the total strikes. Again, I'm on, I'm on the UFC.com website again. It's, it was 107 of 167 for 60% for Alistair to – Twenty nine of twenty nine of forty six for Alice for uh for Alistair. So we're, we're Fabricio threw almost hundred and fifty more uh strikes than him. I mean significant strikes it was it was Fabricio at forty nine uh landed of one fifteen for forty two percent. Yes, uh the percentage Alistair was uh, above but he only threw he only threw 38 and he landed 21 of them. Um, Alistair didn't didn't try to do any takedowns. Uh, Fabricio got one of three. Like I I, I scored that card that that Fabricio should have won that. I don't know, I don't understand how one judge uh, got a 28-28 out of that, but it is what it is. You know I kind of I I would have seen it. You know, one of the things that, you know, you and I, it's fun because you and I have these conversations about how we how we discuss these fights, right? And one thing that we definitely uh, forget about is defensively of what it looks like on a percentage base, right? So it sounds crazy to kind of say it like that, but we're talking about, though, is that even though 
were doing was throwing a lot of punches in volume, like and and in this instance he was connecting. So I think I would have to agree with you. Like we're doing definitely should have won this fight, but I think how judges were looking at it was even though there was a lot of punches thrown, the punches that were being connected by Alistair was doing a lot of damage. It was doing a lot of head damage, not so much in the body because that's not where Alistair was looking. Alistair was looking to disconnect with the head and maybe judges thought more of like, hey, head headshots are better than, you know, all around body. Like, Alistair has an idea of where he's trying to connect, he's just going to connect. I, I totally agree. I, I get that, but there there was even significant strikes. I mean, you're getting you're gonna get you're getting hit 49 times compared to the one the 21 that you're throwing, which is du- getting double up on, and you're still winning that fight. It's just it, it's it's flabbergasting. I'm guess I'm that's 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 the word I'm using. Flabbergast. I did not see it that way, but. But yeah, yeah, no, so I agree. No, I think I think I see at best. I think at best it's going to be uh, Alistair. If Alistair wins this fight, the only one judge should have given him the card. I think Fabrizio should uh, should have won this card. I think he definitely got robbed, and I think a lot of people it was probably because you know uh, Alistair's body of work is what was giving him that ability to say, "Hey, uh, no, he deserves it." Because we used to have the same issue when it was BJ Penn. You know, BJ Penn really didn't throw a lot. He kind of just kind of controlled the fight from the ground, and people were like, "Oh yeah, even though like, you know, Fighter X landed, you know, forty, fifty, sixty shots, um, BJ controlled the fight from the ground for you know X amount of minutes." And then people were like, "Well, remember when he had to knock out on Sean Shirt? Yeah, we should we should score the fight for that." And no, no doubt, you know, BJ Penn is a legend. He definitely earned a lot of the victories he had, but I do kind of feel at times where he kind of felt like he needed to leave the fight in the judges' hands so that the judges would give him the win. Yep, I completely agree with you with that. So let's move on to our main event, right? Well, it should have been the co-main event, clearly, because of what we talked about earlier with the lioness. Uh, I, by the way, I'm going to say her new nickname should be Amanda, used to be the lioness Nunes. Uh, let's talk about this, this championship fight that we have. Yoel Romero versus... Robert Whitaker, we have the Cuban versus the Aussie. Oh man, uh, how did you feel about this fight? Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, that was really surprised that uh, that Yo Alden wasn't as aggressive as he normally is. That was one of the biggest surprises on there. Um, he's he he tends to be a lot more aggressive and. Everything he was throwing was kind of jabs and like soccer throws, and that's that. And Whitaker made him miss. Made Whitaker, th- Whitaker threw 244 sh- strikes compared to the 175 of Yoel, but but Yoel just wasn't Yoel. You could tell from the uh, you could tell from the entrance like he looked like he didn't know where he was, like he was lost. And, and, and it, what I think of what it was was he was looking for Michael Bisbing, and uh, I think that was a big distraction. I don't think Yoel was uh, really mentally ready for this fight. You know, I have to agree. Uh, Yoel did not look like Yoel in the first two rounds. Yoel looked like Yoel once he kind of got the nerves out of him. He looked like Yoel, but Robert Whitaker, man, 
He's one of those guys you can take in the deep waters, and he's going to come out. He did. He survived those first two rounds, took Yoel to the third and fourth round, third, fourth, fifth round, and owned the rest of the fight. I definitely saw it uh, three rounds to two, and even their corners, right? Each corner said, hey, you're two to two. You need to win this round to win this fight, and that was right, man. They, they were 100%, and looking at someone like Yoel, man, back at the UFC.com site, uh, four of 18 for takedowns for uh, Yoel, and that's not a good stat, man. That means that you're really looking for your, your ground game a lot. You're looking to try to control the fight from the bottom, and that's not good. That's not good at all. You know, even though he did land significant more strikes, uh, you know, about 11% more strikes, and then even, uh, you know, his total strikes was 65% to 38%, uh, Yoel versus uh, Whitaker. You didn't see you didn't see Yoel in that third. In the first two rounds, you saw, like, what he was going to do, and then after that, he just kind of shied away. I think maybe his cardio had a big play in it where he just got tired and didn't want to, want to be in the rest of the fight. And then even at the end, when he was talking trash to Michael Bisbee, I was like, yo, dude, you just lost. Like, stop talking trash. Like, just stop. Agreed. Like, you're just out here embarrassing yourself. That's really all I saw. So, with that being said, man, I thought personally, uh, if I was to put it on a scale of A to, you know, A to F, you know, F being the worst, A being the best, I think I saw this fight card more kind of like in a C plus, B minus kind of range. Like, I thought there were some great fights. I thought there were some cool up-and-comers that we're definitely going to see. But overall, man, kind of kind of a letdown for me. I, uh, I, I, I agree with you. It was more of a letdown than anything. I, uh, I, I would give that thing a C, maybe a C plus. Yeah, it would be it's a fair assessment. So let's get on. We're going to talk about some of the future fights that we know that we're going to be having coming up. Uh, one of those being the Gunnar Nelson fight, which is definitely going to show up uh, July 16th, man. So it's going to be huge. Uh, I'm I'm excited for the Gunnar Nelson fight, but I'm going to be honest. Uh, Cynthia Cynthia definitely got my interest. Uh, Cavalio, if you guys hadn't seen her fight, she is a complete beast. Uh, I say I don't even say that lightly. Uh, she just she knows how to work. She just puts in puts in the time. Right now she's kind of young. Uh, she's five and zero, oh, but her last two wins, uh, submission of rear naked chokes of Amanda Cooper as well as uh, Pro Gonzalez. Uh, Gonzalez was great to watch her do those things. I can't wait to see what she does in her next fight. Um, and that is a that's a that's the next card coming up, correct? Yeah, so that's definitely going to be the next card that we're going to see. Um, and I think it's actually on Fox Sports, uh, Fox Sports 1. Um, I have not seen that card yet for some reason. I thought the next card was uh, that what Chris Weidman versus um, Kevin Gaslam. Interesting. Let me, uh, well, let me get on this website real quick and let me look at this. Yeah, so you're definitely going to see a couple a couple fights that are going to be kind of hidden in that in that card. It could be a big up-and-comer, Khalil Browntree versus Paul Craig. It's going to be another nice fight. Uh, Paul Craig has been trying to uh, rebound. So he'll be an interesting guy to to watch because his last fight, you know, he took some elbow losses to uh, Tyson Pedro over at UFC 209. And then he looks going towards the future. uh, You know, Cahill is uh, just a nightmare, man. He really is. Uh, He's had two back-to-back losses. One of those Tyson Pedro, but... Uh, Daniel Jolly, he had that flying knee to the face back in February 4th. Looked devastating. Uh, 
Daniel Jolly, of course, as we're going to say, never saw it coming. It was his first round with 52 seconds left. If you guys want to check out that fight, go ahead. Um, go ahead and check that fight out. Uh, you know, we have great, great fights coming up, but we can keep moving past Anthony. Let's talk about that. We don't, we've been uh, gasping fight because I know you're excited because your boy's fighting on the card. Yeah, yeah. So, so Gas Kevin Taslam is is one of my favorite fighters. I just sometimes he's iffy. Sometimes he doesn't like to make the weight. And then you got uh, Chris Weidman, who we all thought was going to be the next big thing when he KO'd Anderson Silva and then broke Anderson Silva's leg. Uh, and that's just not that. That's not the case. He has not looked good. He got KO'd by Luke Rockhold. He got KO'd by into his last fight. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see this fight card, though. I'm really excited to see uh, what 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 Kevin Gaslam is going to do. Like Kevin Gaslam, I think he's he's one or two wins away from having a number one contender fight, and I would really like to see that kid do that because he he came out of nowhere on uh, on the Ultimate Fighter like. It was, like, his third fight, and everybody started saying, like, oh, whoa, this guy can actually do some stuff, and he's a really good wrestler. Like, he wrestled Uriah Hall, put him against the fence, punched him in the face, took his legs, and won the ultimate fighter for that. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see that. Uh, another one of those fights that I'm really excited to see is, uh, is the return of Patrick Cummins. Like, I've always been a Patrick Cummins fan, uh, and I'm excited to see him finally make his return. What about you, Cliff? Well, yeah, Patrick Cummins is definitely going to be a one fun fun fight to see. Um, I like to see Chris Weidman actually get back on the win. Uh, it's tough for me to see him because, you know, he does represent United States Wrestling. We see the tattoo on his back all the time as a constant reminder. Uh, I remember in the last fight card I saw him in uh, with Yoel Romero. Uh, I, I really sort of like Yoel like, his fight. And he did. And Chris Weaver, unfortunately, did, was the victim of that. My fighter to watch on this card coming up is Thomas Almeida. He's coming back after his loss to Cody Garbart, uh, Garbrandt. I'm excited to see him. I think the rest of the UFC is going to be excited to see him come back. Uh, you know, the last time we saw him, he uh, he had knocked out Albert Morales uh, back on UFC Fight Night with um, on November 19th. Prior to that, then he got beat by Cody Garbrandt, who now is the champion. So it's definitely gonna be fun to see. I'm definitely excited for him, you know. And we have some, we have other fights that are coming up. Obviously, we have the UFC 214 with John Jones and Daniel Cormier. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that one later. Uh, it's just one of those big fight cards where you just don't want to take, you know, a small time and just talk about that fight. So we're gonna talk about that larger fight uh, on the next show. You can definitely catch us there. Uh, my name is Clifford Red Dog Miller, and as you heard here from my co-host. Anthony Lu Luhan. Uh we're here, get the KO. You guys can actually find us uh on Twitter, uh at get the KO dot uh at get the KO or you can find us like, on the blog at uh get the KO dot blogspot.com. If you guys want to just tweet out to me, it's at TM underscore Bell eighty five. Anthony, what about you? My my uh my Twitter account is a Luhan one nine eight five. That's a L U J A N. The number is one nine eight five. You can also catch me on Twitter with the same exact handle, a Luhan one nine eight five. So 
we want to uh, really quick before we go, we are always going to end this show the same way. Uh, we just want to give a big shout out to our brothers and sisters in the armed forces. We love you guys. We stand with you guys. We always uh, pay our respect to our military troops. It's just the one thing that we just have a passion for. Uh, me being a part of Team 22, I'm excited, uh, you know, bring, bring awareness to uh, suicide. Uh, one life is one swing to lose. And to know that we're losing 22 uh, veterans every day, which now I've actually heard recently is actually dropped to 20. But 20 is still too many. Uh, and one active duty member is um, out there. So, you know, if you guys need someone, you guys need to talk to someone, we're always here. Veterans are always here, willing to listen. And we want to make sure that we're taking care of you guys because you guys have done what you guys have done to help take care of us. Uh, Anthony, you got anything to finish off with? I do not. That is it. You hit it right on there. 22 is too many to lose. Me and you both are veterans. We both served our time in Iraq, you in the Air Force, myself in the Army National Guard. I, uh, like you said, if, you, if any of my veterans, brothers and sisters out there, any of your veteran brothers and sisters out there need someone to talk to, just reach out to us. We understand what you're going through. We go through some of the same stuff every day. All right, guys. With that being said, we love you guys. We thank you guys for joining us on our first podcast ever. Um, and if you guys want to hit us up on the messengers, let us know what you guys thought. If you guys have other things you guys want to know, and you guys are more than welcome to. Um, and we'll see you guys next week.